Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have each week to come into your house, to feel your presence, to touch the hem of your garment, and to fellowship, Lord God, with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would flow through me, that God, your heart would pass through my lips, that you'd hide me behind the cross, that we would give you the glory and the honor. Help me to speak for you, Lord, as an ambassador of the kingdom, to bring hope to your people, your children, your church. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you on this topic. What I am expecting from my heavenly Father. A few weeks ago, I spoke about expectation. What I am expecting from my Heavenly Father. We all have expectations. As children, we have expectations of our parents. And as parents, we have expectations for our children, and so on. Jeremiah 29 and 11 is a very famous verse. But I really wonder sometimes if people really think about what the Lord says. And I know it's related to Israel and the Jewish people in the Old Testament. But it says this, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. In the easy translation, it says this, God speaking, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. I want to key on one word, and perhaps this is 50% of the sermon this morning. Thoughts. What does that word mean in the Hebrew? It means this, what God devises and plans for your life. Hmm. It's your purpose and destiny that God has for you. It's what he creates and he, what he designs for you. This is an orchestrated effort by God. I want to ask you a question. What thoughts do you think God is speaking to you this morning? Because the Bible says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. It's not a mystery. God is not trying to keep it a secret. He wants to speak to us. His thoughts. People say, well, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to go here. People say, well, I'm going to move out of New York. And I've heard that. And I understand that. But is that the thought that God is giving you? And is that the plan that God is devising for your life? You see, we could be sent by God or we can just went by ourselves. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Because when you're sent by God, you have his thoughts, his plan, his purpose, his devices orchestrated by him and not by you. The Bible says that we're supposed to be led by the spirit of God. 
He says, I give you thoughts that I think towards you. He said, thoughts of peace. And what does that mean in the Hebrew? It means to be complete. It means soundness in your body, soul, and spirit. It means to be in a covenant with God, a covenant of peace. Praise the Lord. It means quietness and tranquility. It means friendship of human relationships, okay? And then he says to do what? He says, not of evil. Not of evil. You see, people want to blame God. Well, why did God do this? And why is God doing this to me? It's not God doing it to you. Oh, yes, he does allow things. He allows trials, tribulations, fiery trials, okay? But God is saying this. I'm not going to allow anything in your life if you follow me and you accept my thoughts to shatter you and cause you to be broken into pieces. And that's what the word evil means in Hebrew. I'll prevent it. I hear people say, I'm losing it. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Okay. That's really God's thoughts? I don't think so. Is that God's plan? I really don't think so. I think God's plan is one of peace. And he says what? To give you an expected end. And there's your hope. And there's your expectation. The thing that you long for. Praise God. The thing that you wait for. The thing that you wait patiently for. The thing that you look forward to. And eventually that's eternal life in heaven. But God wants to give you an expectation here. Eternal life begins when you accept Christ. And he said when? He said this, to give you an expected end, a reward in the latter day. So here's a question for you. What is your future with God? Your future with God is sound as you receive his thoughts, his plans, and his devices for your life that's orchestrated by him. Listen, you can go in your own power. And I've seen people do that. My wife and I had a conversation this morning. How many people have we seen shipwreck? We've seen people shipwreck because they didn't know the word of God. They didn't know the thoughts of God. They didn't know the voice of God. And they fell. And you know the sad part of it is you can't speak to them because they know it. And they don't want to hear truth. And you're finding that out in your own families. You're finding that out in your own lives. When you're trying to express your feelings about certain things, even if it's different than theirs, but they don't want to entertain what you have to say because they're right and you're wrong. And that's the attitude that people have with God. I'm right and God's wrong. Well, no, God is never wrong. God is never wrong. He's never made a mistake. So listen carefully. The Bible says, Proverbs 10, 28, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. What am I expecting from my heavenly father is hope. What does that mean? The word hope in Hebrew in the book of Proverbs means to wait for and to expect. It means characterized by joyful exuberance, free from care or worry, a gladness, a lightheartedness, lacking due concern. Man, we're so absorbed with worry. We're so at war with with the concerns of this world. We're absorbed. People are so self-centered and so absorbed. That their life is over now. Life is over. Where is life over? We're breathing. We're alive. We're vertical. He says what? The hope of the righteous 
Who are the righteous? It's us in the Lord. Those that have been justified and vindicated by God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And what does it say? That we shall have gladness, rejoicing in him. Proverbs 10.28 in the easy version says this. The aspirations of good people end in celebration. The ambitions of bad people crash. This world's going to crash. There's no celebration. There's no celebration out there. Oh, there's celebration in the bars and nightclubs and so on. Celebration where people are getting smashed and out of their mind. That's not celebration. Celebration is our praise to God, is our love for the Lord, singing praise God, songs of Zion, hearing music, praise God. That's that's our celebration. That's our worship. Psalm 62 verse 5 says, my soul, that's you, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. What are you expecting? People are expecting from people. Don't expect anything from anyone. Don't put your trust in the arm of flesh. That's what the Bible says. Because you'll be disappointed. If you look at me long enough, you'll be disappointed. If I look at you long enough, and I'll be disappointed in you. But I'll never be disappointed in God. Hear what I'm saying. I'll never be disappointed in him. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? It means to be silent. People just want to talk and give their opinions and philosophies. It means what? It means to be still. It means cause to die. And not physically. It means to cleanse away by rinsing. It means to cast out and purge. What the word wait here in Psalm 62.5 means, rid yourselves of your own ways and thoughts that are not of God. That's what this means. When you wait upon God, you're waiting for what? Your thoughts or his thoughts? That's what it means. We have to rid ourselves of our own carnal thinking. And Paul mentions that in the book of Romans, chapter 8. Carnal thinking is enmity with God. We have to hear the voice of the Lord, especially in the day that we're living, folks. We have to be keyed into his voice. Praise God. And what does the word expectation in that uh, message mean? My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. It's something you're waiting for with patience. And people are losing patience. People are becoming impatient. And the first words out of their mouth, I'm stressed. I'm stressed. Well, then practice Psalm 62, 5, which we all should do. My soul, wait thou only upon God. Be still. Sometimes prayer is being still before the Lord. Sometimes it's just being quiet. Coming before him and hearing him. So what am I expecting? One of the most important things that I'm expecting in this new year is wisdom. Amen. Listen carefully. Psalm 24, 14. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. When thou hast found it, mm, you got to look for it. Then there shall be a reward and thy expectation shall not be cut off. Now let me give you the definition of wisdom. And here's the other 25% of the sermon this morning. Receiving the thoughts of God and the wisdom of God. And what is the wisdom of God? It means this, to be and act wisely with God's instructions. Listen carefully. It means this, skill or know-how in war. You're in a spiritual war. People don't know how to fight. In most churches, they never hear of spiritual warfare. If you go to a nominal Christian, And they love God? And you ask them, 
Hey, how's the spiritual warfare in your life going? They look at you with a perplexed look and say, what are you talking about? They have no clue. They have no clue about the armor of God. They have no clue that there's demonic forces coming against them, trying to steal, kill, and destroy. They have no clue. And I feel bad for them. Because it's like buying a car without an engine. And you get in that car thinking on put the key in the ignition, and it's going to start up, and there's nothing there. No wisdom. No knowledge. No power. What does this word wisdom mean? It means skill or know-how in administration. Know how to do things. Know how to think. God giving you the wisdom. It means shrewdness, which means being astute, sharp, smart, perceptive, discerning, clever, insightful, and intelligent. God doesn't want to raise up dummies. God doesn't have stupid people. That's why the disciples, you know, they didn't go to the seminary or to college. Hear what I'm saying? But what did the world say? They've been with Jesus, these ignorant men. <laughs> How? What happened? They received the thoughts of Christ, the wisdom of God. <laughs> and that's why they walked the earth and people were sort of like perplexed and saying, you, you're just common guys, fishermen. But they had been with Jesus. And when you're with Jesus, you learn of him. And you learn what he says. And God's thoughts are the Bible and the promises of God, which people rarely look into, praise God, and really study. They don't. And it's our own fault that we're not prepared. We're not prepared spiritually, folks. We prepare ourselves every other way, and it's great to be prepared. You know I've preached this for years physically and, and all, all, all this other stuff financially. You know I've preached that. But the most important preparation is spiritual, guys. If we don't have that, we're going to lose the battle. If we don't have that, we're going to lose. Praise the Lord. Hear what God is saying here. What is wisdom? Listen to what it is. It's prudence, which is far-sightedness, care, and the providence of God. It's seeing ahead. The prudent man looks ahead. The prudent man knows, praise the Lord. It's, it's the providence of God in your life. It's skillful in being ethical and morally principled. Skillful. It means to be decent, upright, and virtuous in everyday affairs. That's what wisdom is. And God says what? It says this. It says, so shall the wisdom of, of knowledge be unto thy soul. And when thou hast found it, what does it mean to find it? It means to accept it when you're encountered with it. Listen, I can find something and not accept it. I can find a quarter on the floor and I can pass up that quarter and not take it into my possession. But when I find that quarter, really, I'm accepting that quarter, praise God, and I'm putting it in my pocket because it's encountered me. I see it. It's shining and I don't want to let it stay on the floor. I want it to be mine now. No one's claiming it. Praise God. When wisdom comes, you can't walk by wisdom, praise God. You must accept wisdom, praise God, and you must bring it to your bosom and bring it to your soul and bring it into your spirit. Didn't your mother ever tell you these words? Am I talking to the wall, son? Am I speaking a different language that you don't understand? No, ma'am. What aren't you getting? What I wasn't getting was her wisdom and know-how and thoughts that she wanted me to have and incorporate into my life. 
How much more should we accept the wisdom and the thoughts and the know-how of God so that we can be skillful and not be defeated? People are packing it in. People are hiding in caves, so to speak. People are running here and there. And Daniel told us that they would be running to and fro throughout the earth in the last days. He already told us in the book of Daniel. And that's exactly what people are doing. And they're going in their own will, in their own strength, in their own thoughts, and in their own direction. And I want to tell you what's going to happen. Hear me as a pastor, prophetically. They will fail. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. But if you don't accept the wisdom of God in year 51, you're going to fail. And you think you're doing right, and you justify it. We justify it. Well, I'm, I'm doing this. I, I, I know this is the right thing. Yeah, but when you sit down with someone that's spiritual and picks you apart a little bit, just like a quarterback picking a defense apart and completing passes one after the other, people say, well, I don't want to hear that. Of course you don't want to hear that. Because you're not embracing and encountering the wisdom of God that's come to you. You know, it's not always a bad thing to sit at the feet of an old man. (laughs) Come on. I said, it's not always bad to sit at the feet of an old man. You might not want to hear what he has to say, but praise God. I'll tell you the truth. Been around the block, been around the corner. What does God say? He says, when you find it, there shall be a reward. Everybody likes rewards. Kids like rewards. Hey, if you eat your dinner, you're going to get cookie dough ice cream. Well, I'll tell you what, that kid starts to eat that dinner really fast. Isn't it true? Come on, boys. Isn't it true? Come on. You might not like cookie dough. You might like mint chocolate chip. I like that one. If you eat your dinner, eat your veggies and your spinach, there's a reward. Who doesn't want to work for a reward? That's why you go to work every week, every two weeks. That's why you stick out your job that sometimes you hate. Because every two weeks you get, praise God, hallelujah, I can go another two weeks now as long as I keep signing that paycheck. <laughs> Isn't it true? It's a motivator. Hallelujah, reward. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 14, the easy version says this, likewise, knowledge and wisdom for your soul. Get that and your future secured. Your hope is on solid rock. There's nothing. Listen to what the word of God says in Proverbs 4, 7. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. I already gave you the definition of wisdom. And Proverbs Solomon said this. He said, uh, the, proverb, the, the writer of Proverbs said this, what? Wisdom is the principal thing. What is the principal thing? The best thing. What you need first and foremost. That's why people fail. That's why young people fail. The Bible says don't run with that crowd. Oh, I'm going to run with that crowd, man. The Bible says don't go out and steal. Don't go out and overindulge. I'm going to do it anyway, Mom. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a dinosaur. Hey, you might not want to hear that, but you're going to fail. You're going to fail. And who's going to be there to pick up the pieces when you fail? You can ignore me as a pastor. You can ignore the word of God. That's okay. Ignore it. But it'll come to pass. It'll come to pass in the name of Jesus Christ because God's word is sure and it's prophetic. He says the principal thing, the thing that you need the most, it's the basic fundamentals. And that's where the church has left the basic fundamentals. Everybody wants to know what the book of Revelation is about. They haven't even figured out John 3.16. What's the bowls and the vials and what does all that mean? Hey, back up a little bit. 
Get back to basics. Get back to the, the, to the verses that you first came to Christ with that have so much more meaning now for you. Oh, I'm too smart for that. Well, you're then you're just too smart for God. Because the word here, praise God, the principal things means your beginning foundation, the basic fundamentals, what's best for you, the key things, the most important things to know to be faithful to God. People don't want that. They, they, they want the reverie. They, they, they want the, 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 the thing that's exciting. You know, it's like yellow journalism. You know, hey, did you hear that prophecy? I heard a lady that worked with David Wilkerson for decades. And I believe she's a prophetess. And she started speaking yesterday and she said, here's what I believe God's going to do. He's going to get rid of these pillow prophets. These, the, all these people prophesying. You see, when, 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 a, when a woman or a man of God begins to talk about repentance, then you want to hear them. Yeah. Then you want to listen to them. Okay? When everybody's telling you, like, hey, this is just going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. That's exactly what happened to the, in the Old Testament when they went to the prophets of God and said, hey, prophesy to us smooth things. She didn't prophesy smooth things yesterday. Oh, God's going to raise up a remnant. God is going to raise up a people. God is going to raise up a people that are wise and full of wisdom, praise God, and God will reward them. But I want to tell you something. She said, God is done with some of these preachers. Boy, that was a, she was on national television. That broadcast to one billion people in the world. And I'm saying, wow, Marianne, you got a word that's going to really go down into someone's woohoo, and they're not going to like you. They didn't like David Wilkerson either. And she worked with him for decades. I believe she's a woman of God. And I believe what she had to say yesterday was profound. Praise God. The principal thing. What does the Bible say? Get it. Obtain it. And after the getting, after you've acquired it, praise God, you have it. You possess it. Hallelujah. It's like picking it up. Get the understanding. And what's understanding? It's discernment. And that's another gift that God wants to give people. Discernment. To have insight. Not to be blindsided. Getting understanding is to discern. It's to consider, listen to this carefully, when to speak and when not to speak. I tell my wife, I said, you know, some folks are just out of tune and a step. They say the wrong thing at the wrong time. It doesn't flow. It doesn't make sense. Getting understanding is when to speak and when not to. When to just keep quiet. There was a pastor Pastor Clendenin, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. His churches are still alive in Russia. He went there as an old man with his wife. And I had a reason to call him in Texas. I was going through a very difficult period in my life. And I called the pastor down there. And he spoke to me. I thought he did. I told him my situation. You know what he basically said to me? I'll pray for you. No big words. No big speeches. I was expecting one. Come on, man. What's the, the profound word here? I'll pray for you. He used to go on 30-day fasts. I knew he'd pray for me. I knew that. I knew as sure as I knew my name. But I marveled and I said, wow, a man of few words. And you'll find that. You'll find that. That people will be magneted to, towards you. Because you're a person of few words. But when you speak the few words, they'll get understanding. And they'll get wisdom. Mm 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, what are you expecting from God this morning? Paul the Apostle said this. He said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Here's what Paul was saying in the easy version. He said, I can hardly wait to continue on my course. Some people are dreading it. Some people are dreading tomorrow and the future. I don't expect to be embarrassed in the least, Paul said. On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known, regardless of whether I live or die. They didn't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. Now wrap that around your head for a few minutes. <laughs> you know, you can get your best reading done in jail. <laughs> I found that out when I worked. <laughs> you can get your best meditation sometimes in solitary confinement. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Where? Probably in jail somewhere. I'm sure the food wasn't that great. The bathroom facilities were none. Visitors weren't allowed. Quarantine, man. Wear a mask. I'm in chains, he said. Can you give me at least a writing tablet or something to write on? I got to write for God, man. I'm getting God's thoughts here. Come on, man. Give me a break. Where am I going? Oh, he, he got away sometimes by the power of God. Listen carefully. Some people are expecting the wrong thing. Paul's on a, on a ship in, in the book of Acts 28. And the ship, God says, listen, it, it, you're going to crash, man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come into pieces. But he says, no one on this ship is going to die. Paul already heard from God. He'd been on a fast, I believe, for 14 days. And in Acts 28 and 1, it says, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, which they were kind to them, for they kindled a fire and received every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul, menial tasks, some people don't want to do menial tasks. Oh, I, I'm cold. I don't do those things. Oh, really? <laughs> and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. You know what they were expecting? They were expecting for Paul to die instantaneously by that serpent's bite. That's what they were expecting. That's what people are expecting. Always expecting bad. Always expecting what they're doing and not concentrating on what God's doing. And what did the, the word of God say? What did Paul do? He shook off the beast, hallelujah, into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have been swollen or fallen down, praise God, dead suddenly, but he didn't die, hallelujah. He shook it off. But after that, they looked a great while and they were saying to themselves, I can't believe this, praise God. You know what, folks? Sometimes we've got to shake off the vipers. Sometimes we've got to shake off the beast. Sometimes we've got to shake off those stupid thoughts. Sometimes we gotta shake off negativity, and sometimes we gotta shake off people. Yes, come on, preach it. Amen. Not every friendship is gonna survive in 2022. Right. Market, prophetic, 
Not every friendship is going to survive in 2022 because some people don't want to go forward. Right. Not going to happen for some. It doesn't have to be that way, but that's what's going to happen. Peter and John, as I spoke to you a few weeks ago, they went into the temple and the lame man was there. Had a tin cup. Was hoping that Peter and John would give him some money. But they had no money. And Peter told him. Peter, going into the temple, he said, fastening his eyes upon him, Peter said, look on us. And he gave heed unto the men of God, expecting to receive something. What? Expecting to receive a thin dime. Expecting the wrong thing. Hoping for the wrong thing. But the men of God said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. The church needs to rise up and walk in the name of Jesus and stop acting like a cripple and a disabled person outside the door of the church. We act so feeble. We act like we need a psychiatrist, that we need to bring in a couch and a counseling center with psychiatrists. The church acts like it's a cripple. It's time to awaken the church in America. Amen. Now with fair speeches and motivational talks, it's time to raise up the church in the name of Jesus Christ and say, rise up and walk. Amen. Repent. The message of John the Baptist, the message, praise God, of Jesus, their first sermons, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What are people waiting for? What is the church waiting for? I'll get to it, they say. Well, yes, you will. You can't celebrate sin anymore. This is 2022, folks. We, 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 we can't celebrate it. This is what I'm doing. If it's wrong, stop it. We did that in Bible study on Wednesday night. If you ever listen to it, if you're not here, put a cork on it. Put a cork on it. Don't entertain it. Don't say I'm stressed. I have to. No, you don't. It's your choice. It's our own lusts that lead us into deceitful things and deceitful living. And we're not prepared for 2022. But what's the expectation of the righteous? I love this story in the, in the book of Mark chapter 2. Jesus entered Capernaum after a few days and it was noise that he was in this house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch there was no room to receive them in that house. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word. You couldn't get in the door. But there were some friends. And that's what you're going to need in 2022. Friends, my friend. Friends that will stick with you in the day of adversity. Friends that are loyal. Loyalty is a big thing in the kingdom of God. Judas was disloyal. And he sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. People will sell you out for less. They'll assassinate your character for less. These men of God had a crippled man, a friend. And the Bible says, man, they came bringing one sick of the palsy and he was born of four. In other words, they were carrying four men, carrying one a bed. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they were not going to be denied. They were not going to bring this guy across town upon this bed, carrying him and say, well, the inn is full. Well, you know what? When the inn is full, Let's praise God, look at possibilities. 
And what do they do? They could not come nigh because of the people. But what do they do? They uncovered the roof, hallelujah, where he was. And when they had broken it up, they laid him down in a bed where the sick of the palsy lay. And Jesus said, what's it easy for me to do? Say your sins are forgiven or get up off that bed and be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. What's easier? What was the expectation of the righteous? Those four friends expected his, their friend, sick of the palsy, to be healed. And they went to great lengths and great extremes. Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. He, Jesus came to Jericho in Mark 10 and he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people. And blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still because he heard the voice of the blind man and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him, be of good cheer, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him this question and said, What wilt that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said, He was expecting, man, hallelujah, that I might receive my sight. Hallelujah. He wasn't looking for a pair of eyeglasses. He wasn't looking for laser surgery. He wasn't looking for cataract surgery. In those days, Bartimaeus said, I'm looking for my sight, sir. Hallelujah. And in the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, Jesus said, Go thy way. Thy faith made thee whole. That's the expectation of the righteous. Other blind men came in nine, Matthew 9. And when Jesus departed, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And he was coming to the house. The blind man came to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I'm able to do this. They were expecting, what did they say? They said, yea, Lord. What are we expecting? Doing gloom. Ready to go down to the coroner's office. Ready to, ready to, to, to have a, a toe tag put on. Ready to make arrangements. We need to live. I said we need to live. Hallelujah. When he heard of Jesus, that was expectation. Hallelujah. He came in the press, the the blind man. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And and their eyes were open and Jesus straightway charged them saying, say say this to no man. Healed. We don't believe in that anymore either for the most part in the churches. The lady with the issue of blood In Mark chapter 5, one of my favorite stories, she had an issue of blood for 12 years, went to many doctors, many doctors, and suffered many things of many physicians, I cannot even imagine, and spent all that she had and was none better but grew worse. But when she heard of Jesus, you see, one day, my friend, she must have been sitting in her house where she was living, and the spirit of the living God came upon her. 
and say, go down to Hallelujah Square and touch the hem of my son's garment. His name is Jesus. You'll find him there. Oh, when she went down, praise God, there was a multitude of people, but she pushed and she pressed and she touched the hem of his garment. And praise God, the power of God, hallelujah, the virtue of Jesus, praise God, came out of him and into her. Why? Because she expected hallelujah. She expected healing. And he said, my daughter, by faith you are healed. Go thy way. The church needs to touch the hem of his garment. Church has gotten too smart for themselves. Too much books, tapes, hearing what Joe Blow has to say. You need to hear what God needs to say. I'm not saying that isn't good and a good supplement. But man, there comes a time when you've got to get close with the Lord. And 2022 is going to be that time, my friend. That if you're ever going to get close to the Lord and not have a shallow faith or a shallow knowledge of God, I said to my wife, I said, I'll tell you one of the problems is that some folks have no depth. No depth. You see, you can read verses. That don't mean nothing. Jesus even told the people, he said, you read, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Most people don't even have to study the Bible. Study to show yourself approved. Well, I'm not called to preach. You don't have to be called to preach. He wrote that to everyone. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees searched the scriptures, but they were dumb. They didn't know him. They didn't know the Father. Because Jesus said, if you, if you knew the Father, you'd know me. Oh, we believe in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Oh, yeah. They're not going to get you to heaven. It's Jesus. They didn't like hearing what he had to say. The early church was expecting a promise. John 14 and 15 said, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And in John 15 and 26, and it says, when the comforter is come. See, they were expecting something. They didn't understand it all. Whom I will send you unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. John 16, 7 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I not go away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. I don't think they quite understood all that. And you know what? The sad part is the nominal church in America doesn't understand that because they don't accept it. Oh, I'm saved. I have the Holy Spirit. Is that all you want? Isn't there different measures of the Holy Spirit? People are ignorant, again, of the, of the Word of God. They don't know the Word of God. They, oh, I, I, I know the Holy Spirit. What do you know? 
Sit down with someone that knows. Sit down with the Bible. Praise the Lord. Yes. Expectation. Acts 1-4. And being assembled together. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. This is the promise he told them in the book of John, the gospel. They didn't understand what was going to happen. All they know that were to expect something. They were expecting something. They had no idea what they were expecting. The promise of the Father, the comforter. What are you talking about? And he said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Acts chapter 1.8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What? What are you talking about, Jesus? Oh, then it happened. Then it happened. Then they understood. And then the men who were weak and feeble became men and women of God in the upper room. 120. The Bible says, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were waiting. There was an expectation. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance, they received what Jesus promised. For the most part, the church in America does not entertain receiving the Holy Spirit. They think Pentecostal people are out of their minds. They think we've lost our minds. No, we found it in Christ. Hallelujah. So here's a question for you. What is it that you're expecting? It's a very good question. Are you expecting the viper to sting you? Are you expecting a coin in a tin cup? Are you expecting defeat? Disappointment? Depression? Disillusionment? Despair? What have you been accustomed to in your thinking? Ooh. Like glue on a stick. Like glue on a stick, what have you accustomed yourself to thinking? What is it that you're expecting for your children? What? What are we expecting? Every child you have is different. That's right. Don't pit one against the other. Paul told the church at Corinth not to compare. And that's what parents do sometimes. And some of us have fallen victim to that. You're not like your brother. You're not like your sister. That's okay. Because if I was them, I'd have their name in their body. <laughs> Come on. Hallelujah. And I think I'm better looking than they are. So I want to stay in my own skin. Amen. 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 Why do you want to be somebody else? People want to be someone else. If I wear their kind of clothes and get their kind of haircut and wear their kind of jeans, I'll be cool. You know, people will laugh at you behind your back and say, Are you, is he serious? I mean, is he really, is she really serious? People laugh at you. Are we missing the point here? 
The promises wasn't only for the early church, but Acts 2.39 says, For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our Lord God shall call. What is the promise? What am I expecting? What are you expecting? What should I be receiving, God? What am I expecting for my children? What am I expecting for my grandchildren and others? What am I expecting for the church? The Holy Spirit, which is the comforter and all that God has for me. I want more of God. Amen. Paul said that. He said that. I want to know him more. I want to know him better. So let me try to bring a conclusion here. We're talking about expectation and hope. Abraham expected something, listen carefully, beyond a tent for a dwelling. Listen, I'm going way back into the book of Genesis here. I'm going back to the patriarch, Abraham. Here's what he said. Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he, which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. But don't stop there, friends. Verse number 10, for he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. I'm talking about Abraham in the Old Testament saying, I'm not going to always live in tents, boys. <laughs> Grandchildren, I'm not always going to be living in a tent. But one day, hallelujah, these feet are going to walk on the streets of gold. Hallelujah. And I'm going to see that great river. And I'm going to meet that great king, the king of kings and the lord of lords. So, boys, don't get so comfortable in this world because we're going to the next world. And when you get there, it's going to be your eye has not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared. Praise God for his people. Don't get comfortable in this world. People are getting too comfortable, like in the book of Haggai. They're getting too comfortable. Becoming narcissistic, pleasure-seeking, as the man of God told Timothy in the book of Timothy. Seeking pleasures more than God. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And it's infiltrated the church. We want to be comfortable. We pray God for his blessings because we don't want to go through trial or tribulation. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to be put out. No one wants to struggle. Everybody wants to be comfortable in America. What are we really praying for? We're praying for our own comfort. We're praying for our own idolatry sometimes. That's what we're doing. We're praying for our own idolatry. God, don't let this come to my house. It's okay if the tornado gets there, but don't let it hit mine. It's okay if the tsunami goes there, but not, not my place. Because we're cool. We don't need this. God's saying, you'll get what you need to bring you closer to me. And that's what America doesn't want to bow down to. We don't want to bow down to them. It's not that God wants to judge us. It's not that God wants to put us out. But God is saying, if you're not going to bend your knee, I will allow crisis to come into your life to get your attention. And hopefully, 
Hopefully you'll make the right choice and say, Lord Jesus, give me your thoughts and give me your plan and give me your orchestration for my life, oh God, and not my own. Because, Lord, my best thinking has me here. Hebrews 11, 8. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home, the easy version. And when he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger, camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. And Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real eternal foundations, the city designed and built by God. You know what should keep us going, my friends? The promise, hallelujah, of a heavenly home. The promise of the presence of God. Listen, we can stand anything. We can withstand anything. Praise God. As long as our eyes upon that city, hallelujah. As long as we can see the lights of that city, hallelujah. As long as we can see the Son of Righteousness and the Son of God, that will keep you going, my friend. That will be your motivation to get to the end. We haven't arrived yet. We haven't apprehended yet. But praise God, I strive forth for the prize. Hallelujah. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I strive for the great pearl. The great pearl of great Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The pearl of great price. A man sold everything that he had to go find that pearl to buy that piece of land. Just to find that pearl. And what are people looking for? The pearls of the world right now. How I can be more comfortable. How I can make my house my sanctuary. Listen, God loves homes. He allowed the people in the day of Haggai to build beautiful paneled homes. But they laid the house of God waste for about 14 years and only a block foundation. And God had to nudge them. And say, well, what's, what's wrong with you? The house of God. They found the words of the Lord, Ezra, to speak. And have you realized Nehemiah went to Jerusalem to do what? To build a wall around the church. And Jerusalem was in rubbles. It was a disaster. And I look at that prophetically in America. God is trying to build a church among rubble. He's trying to build a church among devastation. He's trying to raise up a people, hallelujah, that will be a remnant believer and a remnant church and a remnant family and say God can do anything, hallelujah. We can go down to the valley of Baca, hallelujah, hallelujah, and build on a dump, hallelujah, and build a house of God on a dump, hallelujah. But we can praise him and we can worship him and God will raise us up even in the midst of destruction, even in the midst of lies and mischief, even in the midst of nonsense that's going on, he will raise up a church. Make no mistake about it. He did it in 90 days. In the book of Nehemiah. And God could do it again. And let me close. Are we waiting for and expecting the Lord? Is our hope and expectation of the Lord's coming? Hardly people preach that on pulpits anymore in America. Because it would scare people. It would scare people. Yeah, they might have to get ready. They, they might have to get their soul in order. They might have to get their house in order. That's what that lady prophetess said yesterday. She said, tell people, get your house in order. 
Get it in order. Amen. Get it in order. Man, I'm telling you. Paul said this to the church. He said, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now, oh, I like this part. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. He he told the church at Thessalonica as I close in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. He said, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, hallelujah, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, hallelujah, with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Here's your comfort. It's not in this world. It's in the next world. But the expectation of what we're to receive in the next world keeps us going in this world to live for Christ. Listen, let me close. Only eight people got on a boat in the day of Noah. There's been many people who thought, I'm going to go out and win the world. Noah tried. Through Christ, through God, he tried to win the then known world. But only eight got into the ark. The most important, the most important assignment, the most important assignment is to get your house in the ark. Your children and your grandchildren. There's nothing more important. Nothing. You can go win 10 million souls for Jesus and spend your entire life traveling around the world. But if a son or daughter or granddaughter goes to hell, what have you really gained? Tell me. What have we gained? What have we gained? If we lose one in our family. It doesn't have to be that way. It's going to take discipline, it's going to take wisdom. It's going to take obedience. It's going to take discernment, know-how, and prudence because the prudent man looks ahead. Listen, we can go chase rainbows. Listen to me. We can go chase rainbows. We can go chase our dreams and what we think is our vision. You'll fail. You will. What if you chase that which God has placed If you chase that which God has placed in your heart, you'll succeed. One other word about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He had a very important job to keep poison from the king. Very important. He was a very special person. He was a trusted person. And one day he went into the king's chamber and he was sad and the king said, what's wrong? 
You're never this way. Because he got a visit. And he found out that the Jerusalem was in shambles and they needed the wall to be built. Let me tell you how Nehemiah went. He went with the authority of the king. He went with a letter. He went with all of the materials and money that he needed. And then he went into the next province and got the authority of that king to go into that province to continue his journey. You see, when God sends you, he'll line all up the ducks and he'll do it the royal way. And we have seen that in our life for how many years? When God sends you, everything is in order. And that's why Nehemiah was able to do what he did because he was sent by God. We have been sent by God as ambassadors for Christ. And when we receive the vision and the thoughts of the Lord, we will touch those in our family and those in our homes and those that God brings into our circle. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. It's a good word that you've given us this morning and we thank you for it. What are we expecting from you, Lord? Are we expecting the sting of the viper? A dime in a tin cup? Are we expecting the blessings and the miracles of God in 2022? Lord, I'm expecting from you. I'm expecting that the windows of heaven will open and that you'll pour out a blessing that I'll not have room enough to receive that I'll have to share with other people. And Father, I pray that for the church and God's people and all across America, Lord, the remnant that you're raising up, that you would touch every body, soul, and spirit that loves you, Lord, that you would help us to network. And Father God, to be that family, hallelujah, that you expect us to be in the last day. Bring this family together here, Lord. Bring this family in this church, in this locality, in this local building, Lord, that you have deemed, that you have orchestrated for such a long time. Bring us together like never before in the mighty name of Jesus. We'll thank you, we'll praise you, and give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and God bless you for coming.